Taking Ground is the title of the, the message today, and, and just want to uh, set this up just a little bit. Um, how many of you know, unless we're taking ground, we're losing ground? Yeah. Right? You ever heard the story of the man who goes in the coal mine and he has a white suit on? And he goes in the coal mine and he doesn't touch anything. And when he comes out of the coal mine, his suit is gray. And his wife looks at him and said, that was a brand new suit. Why did you play in the coal? He said, I didn't touch anything. All I did was go in the coal mine and come out. That's how the world is. And so if we're not taking ground, we're losing ground. And so playing off what Pastor Anthony spoke about last week, let it go. I'm going to talk a little bit about some of those things and how we take back some ground in some areas of our life. We're going to look at the story of Jonathan and his armor bearer. And and you have to remember, if you're new to the Bible, when when we preach out of the Old Testament, you have to look at the Old Testament through a New Testament lens, always. And so as you look at these stories in the Old Testament, you'll see the enemies of God fighting against God's people, the Israelites. And so you have to associate that in the New Testament as the hater of our soul, the accuser of the brother and the devil. We'll call him what's his face because I don't even like to say his name. And so, you know, those are the powers. That is what we struggle against. And so to take ground, the Bible says the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. That scripture is written as John the Baptist is proclaiming that the Messiah is coming. Jesus comes on the scene and there is such a violent push to understand this grace, to understand this Christ, to understand this Messiah. And the Bible speaks of young men crowding in and people crowding in. That's what the kingdom of of heaven is about. And that's how we should approach every day of our life in reference to the kingdom of God. Almost, and that word violently in our society may not be, you know, we may not um, associate that rightfully so because of how we think violent. It just means with great aggression. So the question is, are we approaching our relationship with God in certain areas of our life that we know aren't lining up with the word of God with great aggression? Taking ground. So here, here's, we'll pick up the story in 1 Samuel 13, 19 through 23, and this sets up the main text that we'll look at today. This is, here we go, 1 Samuel 13, 19 through 23. Not a blacksmith could be found in the whole land of Israel because the Philistines, who were the enemy of God's people, had said, otherwise the Hebrews will make swords or spears. So all Israel went down to the Philistines to have their plow points, mattocks, axes, and sickles sharpened. The price was two-thirds of a shekel for sharpening plow points and mattocks and a third of a shekel for sharpening forts and axes and the repointing goads. So on the day of the battle, which is what we're about to get to, not a soldier was Saul and Jonathan had a sword or spear in his hand. Only Saul and his son Jonathan had them. Now a detachment of Philistines had gone out to the pass at Michmash. Father, as we think about taking ground in this new year, I pray that your word would speak to hearts today, that it would energize us and that it would push us forward for your destiny in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. So here's what we have. We have the children of God. We have the Israelites who are under oppression from the Philistines. The Philistines have shut down all the blacksmith shops in all the land of, of Israel. And, and there's a whole message there because to me the blacksmith shop is, is a, a place of prayer. It's a place of war. 
and, and, and much of it, I don't have time to get into that, but much of what the enemy has tried to do to the church today, we, you can get people to come to everything except a prayer meeting. It's true, right? We, we'll do all, but that's a different message, so I'll, I'll stop there. So, so there was no way for them to have any weapons. Furthermore, they were insulting them because they were charging them so much to sharpen their farming equipment that it was barely worth them sharpening their farming equipment for the, for the, the, the harvest that they were getting. And so now the Philistines go out to a pass at Micmash, which is very important, and we'll get to that, enters Jonathan into the story. Jonathan, Jonathan, friend of David, Jonathan, I think, is much underrated in the Bible. Jonathan, who, knowing his father, King Saul, did all kinds of wrong stuff, never, ever, ever left his father, always honored his father to death. You ever thought about that? There's something to Jonathan. I also know there's something to Jonathan because one of the the, the greatest king that ever walked the face of the earth, King David, besides King Jesus, they were best buds. And so when, when we read this story today and, and we look into the Word of God and we, we learn some lessons about taking ground from Jonathan, let's not forget who Jonathan is. Let's not forget that he was a very impactful player in the Old Testament, and there's a lot to Jonathan. So here we go. Number one, we take ground by taking risk. First Samuel 14.1, one day Jonathan, son of Saul, said to his young armor bearer, come let us go over to the Philistine outpost on the other side. But he didn't tell his father. Philistines, they set up at Michmash, and so now here we have the Philistines who are blocking the way home for the Israelites. The Israelites are hanging out under a pomegranate tree. Jonathan says, hey, one day says, son of Saul says to his young armor bearer, come let us go over to the Philistine outpost on the other side. But he didn't tell his father. Taking risk. To take ground, you must take risk. Now, a lot of us in this room would say, I love taking risk. No, you don't. We, we may say we love taking risks, and we may say we love, and I'm not talking about risks like doing adventurous things. I mean, a lot of us love to do those sorts of things. I'm talking about risks that at the end of the day could really, really cost you something. Reputation. Habits. Relationships. See, to take, to take risk is risky business. How many of you remember that movie? You're bad people. <laughs> Focus. Yeah, join the crowd, right? Somebody said, I'm not going to that church. It's full of hypocrites. And somebody else looked at him and said, well, one more ain't going to make a difference. <laughs> Faith arises in Jonathan's heart. And he, he says, hey, I'm tired of sitting around. Hey, look, let, 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 let's, we're supposed to be God's people. And so this plan begins to formulate. We'll get to the plan in a minute. But he makes up in his own mind. And I love this. I love these two words. One day. One day. Why not today? You know, why, why not today? And we make a lot of New Year's resolutions, and, and we make a lot of, hey, we're headed into a new day. But my Bible says his grace and mercies are new every day, January 1st, December 31st, July 4th. You pick. His grace and mercies are new every day. And so, so we see Jonathan, one day, son of Saul, Jonathan, son of Saul, said to his young armor, come, let us go over to the Philistine outpost on the other side. 
But he didn't tell his father. He didn't tell his father because he knew his father doubted God. He, Saul had already proven this. Saul's hiding out with 600 soldiers under a pomegranate tree. He's hiding out. And here his, here his son saying, hey, let's take a risk. Can I ask you a question right now? What area of your life do you need to take ground in that it's going to take you taking a risk? That's a personal question. Maybe it's an area of your life where you need to get brutally honest with someone that you can trust. Maybe it's an area of your life where you need to finally take a stand, even in your own home, of what you believe and who God is to you. As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. Maybe it's a a ministry that God's been calling you to start, and it's going to take a risk because you're finally going to have to come out of the the Christian closet at work, and people are finally going to have to know what you actually believe. I've got several men in my life who do Bible studies in their workplace. You can do that? Yes. Matter of fact, a lot of their bosses actually come to the Bible studies. It takes risk. So, so number one, if I'm going to take ground, I have to be willing to take risk. Number two, we take ground by being disgusted with our situation. 1 Samuel 14, 2-5. Saul was staying on the outskirts of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree in Migron. With him were about 600 men. Among who was Ahijah, who was wearing an ephod. He was son of Ichabob's brother Ahotub, son of Phinehas, the son of Eli, the Lord's priest in Shiloh. No one was aware that Jonathan had left. On each side, in other words, Jonathan snuck out. All you teenagers in here right now? Which you're not, there's not many because you don't get up this early. But in the third service, there'll be a bunch here. This is the first place we see a teenager sneak away from his father. Don't do that. On each side of the pass that Jonathan intended to cross to reach the Philistine outpost was a cliff. One was called Bozaz and the other Sina. One cliff stood to the north toward Michmash, the other to the south towards Gibba. Now, here's what you have to understand. If I'm going to take ground in an area of my life before I, I can actually really take ground, take back something the enemy has stole from me, take back my joy, take back my anointing, take back that, that place of closeness to God. If I'm going to take ground in my marriage, if I'm going to take ground in my finances, if I'm, I'm really, I have to at some point get really disgusted with my situation. I have to really come to the point where I am sick and tired of being sick and tired. Now, we, we read Michmash, and we read Gibba, and we read Bozaz, and we read Sinna. But if you study this, Bozaz is a cliff that enters into Michmash. Michmash was in the Israelites' territory, and it was their home for the time. Now, Sinna went towards Gibba which was where God was calling the children, his children, to go and conquer the enemy. Now get this. So God's people are in limbo. They can't go home where it's comfortable because the Philistines, the enemy of God, have blocked the pass. They can't go forward because that's where the outpost of the Philistines are. So they can't go home and feel sorry for themselves. And they can't go forward to complete the destiny of God that God has called them to. Sound familiar? It's a vicious cycle. It's a vicious cycle. And here, 
praise God for Jonathan. Praise God for the Jonathan spirit. Praise God for Jonathan that would look at his father and say, you know what? I love him even to death. He loved his father. But dad's just not getting it right now. I'm about to do something that's going to change this whole situation. I'm about to take a risk. And so you have to get disgusted with your situation if you're going to take ground in that area of your life. I mentioned marriage. Don't get disgusted with your marriage. Get disgusted with how your marriage may be going right now. If there's strife in your home, if there's animosity between you and your spouse, get some help. We live in a world today where there is no lack of resource from some very smart people that can help you understand why you stay so mad at your spouse. Right? And so, so the idea behind getting disgusted with your situation, your finance, that's an easy one to get disgusted about, isn't it? Do you tithe? Well, I can't afford to. Bingo. Do, do you, have you read what the Bible says about finance? Do you have people in your life? who are gifted in that area that can help guide you in your finance. So you got to get disgusted to the place where you're willing to take some risk so that true change comes about so you can take ground in that area of your life. Is that making sense? So it's going to take some risk. It's going to take some risk. But at some point, you got to get disgusted. Number three, we take ground by speaking faith. 1 Samuel 14, 6, Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, come let us go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised men. Perhaps the Lord will act in our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. I cannot tell you how powerful it is. Young Christian in this room right now who maybe just got saved recently and, and you're not really sure about this whole spiritual warfare thing and you don't know really what to do when all hell breaks loose in your life. You get this word and you open this word and you start speaking this word over your situation because it's living and it's active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It judges the very heart of the matter, separating marrow, separating the bone from flesh it will set there are no gray areas in the word of God there are none Jonathan speaks faith over the he says hey let's do this man nothing can hinder the Lord from saving whether by many or by few in other words in our situation armor bearer and in, in, in the reality of the natural it doesn't look good, and this looks like a pretty stupid thing to do. It is a big risk, but I'm disgusted with being here. I need you to go with me, and so I'm going to speak faith. See, Jonathan's not just speaking faith for himself. He's speaking, he's speaking faith for the armor bearer because the armor bearer's got to be thinking at this point, dude, let's go back to the pomegranate tree. Your dad's going to ground you. We take ground by, by, by speaking faith. We take ground by speaking faith. 
One of the reasons I think Jonathan and David were so knitted together is because they had this personality type that would get disgusted what the enemy of God was doing to God's people, and then they would speak faith over the situation. Think about David and Goliath. David shows up to the battle lines and says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine who defiles the living God? In other words, who, why are you guys allowing him to do this? Then he says, let me go fight. And he goes out and what does David do? David speaks faith over the battle. He, you come at me. He said, I'm, you're, I'm about to, I'm paraphrasing. I'm about to kick your butt. You come at me with a spear and sword. I come at you in the name of the Lord. Speaks faith. And here, here is, here, here's Jonathan and he's, Hey, it doesn't matter whether by many or by few, it doesn't matter how far gone you think a loved one is. It doesn't matter how far gone you think your marriage is. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you think in the natural because God is a supernatural God and he can move things around so quick that it will make your head spin and you'll wake up a few. Sometimes it takes years. Sometimes it takes a few days, but God is able for nothing is impossible possible with our God. So, so learn this young Christian or old Christians alike. Maybe you've been walking with the Lord for a while and you've just forgotten this concept of a spiritual discipline. Open the word of God and speak the word of God over your situation day and night. If you have to, whether by many or by few, Jonathan says, let's do this. Let's, let's do this. So he's willing to take a risk. He gets disgusted with this situation. He gets so disgusted that he begins to speak faith. Now watch this. When you speak faith over your situation, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. When you speak the word of God over your situation, you are reminding yourself how great God is, and you're reminding God how great he is. It's amazing if you read the Bible, all through the Bible, men of God and women of God will start Telling God how great he is like they're reminding him how great he is. And he moves on their behalf. Wow. Number four. We take ground by surrounding ourselves with the right people. This is going to hurt. Right? I, I, I used to use the dentist analogy, but I got a pretty good friend that's a dentist, and he always gets mad when I say this. I'm not going to look his way. I got several yet. I hate the dentist. I love all dentists. Yeah, but you feel better when you leave. After you chew half your face up because it's numb and you have ulcers for 15 days. No, I'm just kidding. This is going to hurt some of you. But we've purposed at Coastline to be real. The Bible is, is real application for our lives. To take ground in certain areas of our life, we have to surround ourselves with the right people. 1 Samuel 14, 7, do all that you have in mind, his armor bearer said, go ahead, I am with you, heart and soul. We all need someone in our life like that, and we all need to be that to someone in our life. Do all that you have in mind, his armor bearer said, go ahead, I am with you, heart and soul. So, let's go back, just a funny illustration, let's go back to finance, talking about surrounding yourself with the right people to take ground, let's say that financial area of your life. If you are struggling in, a, in finances in your life and you love to shop 
and you've got a few friends that love to shop and they have a lot more money than you do. And so you love to go shopping with them. However, you don't have the money that they have. So you get this little thing called a You may have to stop answering the phone when those people call. Maybe you struggle with drinking. The bar is probably not the best place for you to go watch Monday Night Football. You've got to surround yourself with it. Now watch this. The armor bearer, and I love the fact that they never mention his name. His identity is totally wrapped up in what God created him to do. He was Jonathan's armor bearer. And what an armor bearer does is, you go ahead. Do whatever you have in your heart. I'm with you, heart and soul. Married couples in here right now, you should be that for your spouse. You should be their armor bearer. goes both ways. Whatever you have in mind to do, you go ahead. I'm with you. Heart and surround yourself with the right people. Do you know how quick the armor bearer could have sabotaged Jonathan's mission? They're sneaking off. Now, I don't know about you. I'm sure none of you ever snuck out of your house when you were a teenager. But the first rule of sneaking out of your house is to be quiet. Right? Quiet is like paramount when you're trying to not get killed by your parents. I mean, think about this. Don't just read this. Think about all the armor bearer would have had to do is make just a little noise. Or to send a messenger back to King Saul saying, your son's bumped his head. Could you please send for him and tell him you need him to do something back towards you? Some of us in this room right now, know that we have things that God is calling us to in this new year. And there are people in your life that are a hindrance to that. Doesn't mean they're bad people. Doesn't mean you don't love them. And it is risky to get rid of some relationships in your life. But what's more important, God's destiny for your life or appeasing other people around you? It's hard. It's hard to sever relationships sometimes. And you don't have to be a jerk about it. You don't have to pick up the phone and call them and go, God has anointed me and called me to be great, and you are the scum of the earth, and I can no longer be around you. (laughs) Don't do that. Do not do that. But, But there is a way... There is a way to be very intentional on who you spend quality time with. We all, we all have the same amount of time. Did you know that? I get so tired of people telling me their excuses, and Anthony talked about excuses last week. It was awesome. But their excuses, I just don't have enough time. And they'll look at you and say that. And it's like you have, like, extra time that they don't have. It's like, my watch works different than your Yeah, dude, I can, yeah. You, you mean you only get 24 hours a day? You didn't hear about that new plan they have out? 
It's called no sleep. <laughs> I, I, I've learned through the years, I only, get, I only get so much time outside of my family, outside of my marriage, and outside of my profession. I only get so much time. So I'm very intentional about who and how I spend that time. And you can look at me and go, well, that's why I don't spend any time with you. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm totally kidding. Totally kidding. Totally kidding. But uh, think about this. If you go throughout this year just floating along through this year and just doing this and that and the other, and you never get intentional about building relationships, having friends that encourage you in the Lord, if you never get intentional about people who will speak life to your dream, if you never get intentional, prayerful people who will speak life to your dreams, then, then you're going to wind up just floating. So, to take ground in certain areas of your life, you have to surround yourself with the right people. Critical allies is what they are, critical allies. Number five, we take ground by getting a God plan and working the plan. First Samuel 14, 8 through 15, Jonathan said, come on then, we will cross over toward them and let them see us. If they say to us, wait there until we come to you, we will stay where we are and not go up to them. But if they say, come up to us, we will climb up because that will be our sign that the Lord has given them into our hands. So both of them showed themselves to the Philistine outpost. Look, said the Philistines. The Hebrews are crawling out of the holes they were hiding in. Verse 12, the men of the outpost shouted to Jonathan and his armor bearer, come up to us and we'll teach you a lesson. So Jonathan said to his armor bearer, climb up after me. The Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. Jonathan climbed up using his hands and feet with his armor bearer right behind him. The Philistines fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer followed and killed behind him. In the first attack, Jonathan and his armor bearer killed some 20 men in an area of about half an acre. Then panic struck the whole army, those in the camp and field, and those in the outpost and raiding parties, and the ground shook. It was a panic sent by God. Go back to the point, Joe, if you would. We take ground by getting a God plan and working the plan. Any plan that's going to be successful in your life that you need to take ground in that area of your life, God is the X factor in that plan or the plan is not going to work for his glory. Now, you can, you can go and you can make a plan in a certain area of your life and you can toll and you can work and you can do it on your own and, you can, and, and maybe you'll be successful, but it won't be for the glory of God. I love people. I love to sit around and listen to people say, you know what, I, I, I had this vision. I had this vision to get in shape. I had this vision to get in shape, and I've tried and tried and tried and tried to get in shape. And then one day, it occurred to me, I've never asked God to help me get in shape. God is the X factor to any plan. Jonathan comes up with this plan. And if you ask me, and I'm the guy reading the plan from the outside, which we all are, I'm thinking, this is the dumbest plan I've ever heard of in my life. I mean, I'm thinking you hide, you put a, a ghillie suit on, you climb up at night, and you start whacking them one by one until finally one of them whacks you, but at least you get to whack a few of them. No, Jonathan says, hey, come on, let's cross over toward them. In other words, let's come off our cliff, let's walk down through where everybody can see us, and let's start climbing up until they see us, and, and then here's what we're going to do, young armor bearer. 
Now remember, he's already spoken faith. He knows God can save, whether by many or by few, yet he still calculates a plan that totally depends on God. Because God is in control of every, uh, the whole situation that Jonathan's caught up in. And it's the same with us today. Whatever, wherever life finds you today, God's in control of your situation. He is God. He is still the Lord. He is on the throne. He was, is, is to come. He's already in tomorrow like we've talked about. He understands what's going on in your life. He understood the situation that Jonathan was in. Better than that, Jonathan understood that he understood. So he spoke faith over the situation. Then he came up with a plan, and the plan totally depended on God. Come. Let's, let's cross over toward them. That's the stupidest plan I've ever heard. But it depended on God. This is how great and loving of a God that we have. See, when God comes down off a proverbial cosmic shelf and becomes a reality in your life, you can't help but realize how much he loves you. When, you. when you finally buy in and you finally start reading the Bible and you finally realize, wait a minute, this stuff is for real, you can't get around how much he loves you. And he loves you so much, he expects you to try. What? You mean he just doesn't wave a magic wand? He comes close to that in the story. But Jonathan had to do his part. You got to get a God plan, but then you got to work the plan. I mean, there, there's, I hate to plan. Does anybody in here just hate to plan? When, when my wife sits me down on, that's part of her job. She sits me down on Monday morning really early and breaks out the calendar. And I feel like someone is putting me in a cage. I do. I mean, I, I literally feel like, and I've gotten way better because it helps my life and it helps those around me. But I, I honestly feel sick. I feel like there's a physical ailment coming on me. And so Raina's so cool about it. Like she started to give, you know, over the years, she gives me time. She'll look at me and she'll go, 20 minutes. Jason, you can do anything for 20 minutes. We have to do this. We have to do this. But we have to plan. We want to take ground in an area of our life. We have to plan. We got to get a plan. It's got to be a God plan. But then we got to work the plan. If I sit down with Rain on Monday morning and she makes my schedule out and she holds me accountable to in our schedule and, and, and all that that entails, which is quite a bit these days, and, and we make this plan and it's on paper or it's in our phones, but I totally neglect to even look at any of that, that whole torture time that I spent with her on Monday morning is for not. Right? Poor Raina. Did you say amen? It's all I'm saying. God needs to be the X factor in your plan to take ground and then you have to grab that plan with God's grace and his strength and his mercy. Say, God, with your help, with your might, with your power, not mine, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me.
Last week we learned that was a fact. That's not an opinion. That's a fact because it's the word of God. And so when I get a God plan, I have a part to play in that. I got to work the plan. I can't work the plan when I feel sorry for myself. I can't take ground when I'm looking for someone else to take it for me. I can't take ground when I am in excuse land. I can't take ground. I can only take ground when I get a God plan and I I put my big boy pants on and I work that plan. And it is risky and it is hard, but once you get disgusted enough, you will come to a place where, all right, now I'm ready. God, you have, I'm at the bottom of the barrel. Now, God, you can work with me. Give me a God plan. Give me the strength to work that plan. Why? Last thing. If you're serving communion, will you go real quick? Thank you. Sweet. Why is it important to take ground? We take ground because there are people counting on us. This is so important that I'm going to wait till those doors shut back there. Because I want you to all hear this. Your life is not just about you. Do you hear that? The victories that God is calling you to win through a God plan, through working the plan, it's not just about you. It's not just so you can pat yourself on the back. See, we take ground because there are people in our lives counting on us. See, we all fail, right? And the enemy's tool is for us to live in regret. And we, we so often focus on how our failures have affected the people around us. And in that failure, oh, man, God, I could never recover from this. Oh, and that's the voice of the enemy. That's the voice that you have to recognize. Look, that, that yes, you messed up, but God's grace is sufficient. His mercies are new every day. You can get through this. Why? Why do I have to take ground in my finances? Why do I have to take ground in my marriage? Why do I have to take ground in the area of my life where I feel addiction creeping in? Why do I have to take ground in that area of my life where I know that I need to deal with anger that's rooted deep in me? Why do I need to take ground in that area where I'm so bitter? Because there are people counting on you. Let me, let me say this word, legacy. Legacy. Powerful word. Powerful word. And when I get brave enough to take some risk and I get disgusted enough and I begin to speak faith over that situation in my life and I get a plan and I begin to work that plan, God comes in and does what only God can do. And we work in tandem. I work behind him as he goes forward because he is the way maker. We take ground because there's people counting on us. It's called the ripple effect. 1 Samuel 14, 16 through 23, Saul looked, Saul's lookouts at Gibeah and Benjamin saw the army melting away in all directions. Verse 20, then Saul and all his men assembled and went to battle. They found the Philistines in total confusion, striking each other with their swords. So God did wave a wand, but Jonathan climbed up. Those Hebrews who had previously been with the Philistines and had gone up with them to their camp went over to the Israelites who were with Saul and Jonathan. When all the Israelites who had hidden in the hill country of Ephraim heard that the Philistines were on the run, they joined the battle in hot pursuit. 
So on that day, the Lord saved Israel, and the battle moved on beyond Beth Haven. They couldn't go back through Michmash because it was guarded. So Jonathan said, we're going to go forward. We're going to go forward to, for, in God's destiny for our life. We are going to see if perhaps God will move on our behalf because whether by many or by few, it's nothing for our God to change this situation, young armor bearer. Young armor bearer turns around and says, do whatever you have in your heart to do. I am with you, heart and soul. They get a plan. They work the plan. God shows up, and when God shows up, people start dying. They start killing each other. Confusion overtakes the enemy, and as confusion overtakes the enemy, the battle cry is sounded through the rest of God's people because one young man said, I am going to take a risk, and the ripple effect goes out through the whole army. These seasoned warriors who had been hiding out under a pomegranate tree who rose up and said, you know what? God is God. He's doing a great thing here. And the king even said, let's go get in on this. You can change generational things in your family if you're willing to take a risk, get a plan, and let God help you work that plan. It's called the ripple effect. The greatest ripple effect is called the cross. Jesus climbed upon that cross just as Jonathan climbed up to the enemy. And the Bible says that Jesus made an open spectacle of the enemy by hanging on that cross. And what religion couldn't do throughout time, Jesus did by living a sinless life and dying on that cross. You know why he did it? Because it was his Father's will. And there were people counting on him. Talk about a ripple effect. Still to this day, the cross, the death, burial, the resurrection, second coming. It's all real. Can't just read some of it, not take the rest of it. Have you allowed the ripple effect of the cross to affect your life in the light of eternity? In other words, have you confessed Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Have you accepted the gift of God's grace and mercy of salvation? Salvation is not a complicated or a scary word. It simply means that you, you believe in your heart. You just believe. And the moment you believe, and only you can believe for yourself, the Bible says you're saved. You're made into a new creation. All the old is gone. The new comes. We're about to have communion. We have an open communion here. One of the the stipulations is is that you need to know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Are you saved? Will you bow your heads all over this place? Say, Jason, I've not, I don't, I couldn't tell you right now at this very moment. I could not tell you that I, There was a moment in time where I confessed Jesus Christ as my Savior, and I accepted that grace in my life. But I'm ready to do that today. We want to pray with you. We want to help you. If that's you and you say, Jason, that's me, I need need a change. I need a spiritual plan, and I see that God is the X factor to that plan. If If that's you, man, we want to pray with you. What a great day to give your heart to the Lord. What a great day to start a new journey. What a great day to take a risk. Take a risk on God today. I promise you he won't let you down. He's already done it. He's already sent his only son to die for us. Jesus has already paid the price for your sin. It's a gift. You just have to receive it. 
If that's you, and say, Jason, I need a fresh start. I'm ready in my heart to confess Jesus Christ as my Savior. I need to be saved. Slip your hand up long enough for me to see it. Put it right back down. I see your hand. I see your hand. Thank you. I see your hand. That's awesome. Anyone else today? This is me, 2016. I don't want to miss anybody. If you raised your hand, pray this prayer with me. And when we're done with church today, go out to the tent on the east lawn. Get a Bible and a devotion. Talk with someone. If you're shy and just don't really feel comfortable doing that, email the church this week. A pastor will call you. We don't want to get in your business. We just want to help you. We just want to help you. If you raised your hand, it's the most precious moment. Would you pray this prayer with me just from your heart? Father, thank you for loving me. And God, right now, I'm accepting your love and your grace and your mercy that comes through Jesus Christ. And I believe in my heart. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. He's the one true God. I believe that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. I believe that Jesus Christ lived a sinless life. I believe that Jesus Christ took my death and my sin on the cross. I believe that Jesus Christ was murdered for me. He was placed in a grave. And I believe with all my heart he rose from that grave on the third day. And I believe he's coming back for me one day. And so right now, forgive me, Lord. Forgive me for running. I know I can't change yesterday. Help me on this new journey. Surround me with people that will help me. Give me courage to go out to the tent and get that seven-day devotion. And get a Bible and begin to read it. Most of all, thank you, Lord, for your loving grace. In Jesus' name.